Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Let me begin by saying that I'm going to pick up today from where I left off last week. And those of you who have listened to the message that I ministered last Sunday, it was a prophetic call to spiritual readiness uh, through the work of adequate preparation. The Spirit of the Lord ministered to us, I believe, a timely message or a timely word. And as you know, and I encourage you, if you have not listened to that message, to go and listen to it from the beginning, and you will see that the essence of that message was a call to spiritual readiness through the work of adequate preparation. Preparation is vitally important in whatever we choose to do in life. You don't get up one morning and you decide to run the marathon that might be 40 or 50 kilometers long. That, that just doesn't happen. Also, you don't get up one morning and you decide to fast for 40 days unless you are exercised in the practice of fasting. So everything we do in life requires preparation. And not just preparation, but adequate preparation. As I've mentioned to you last Sunday, I woke up in the early hours of the morning, and that was Saturday morning, with the Spirit using my mouth and speaking to me, saying that God will not move amongst us unless we are prepared and unless we are spiritually ready to move with Him. By the Spirit, I was shown that there is much God wants to show us. There is much that God wants to take us into, but He waits for us to rise up and prepare ourselves for the things which God has prepared us for. You know, sometimes we think that we might be waiting on God, but the truth of the matter is that God is waiting on us to do something, to step out in faith and obedience to His Word. And unless we do that, nothing will take place. We will remain in the same spiritual condition that we have been. So the Spirit challenged us in that message to awake out of our spiritual slumber, if I can put it that way, and give ourselves to the spiritual disciplines that are ordained by God for our spiritual preparation. Things like prayer, regular seasons of prayer, fasting, regular seasons of fasting, and of course, the diligent study of His Word will help to prepare us 
spiritually speaking, and strengthen our inner man, making us ready and fit. When I say fit, I'm talking about spiritual fitness for where the Lord desires to take us. There are spiritual adventures that the Lord desires to take us through with Him so that we may experience more of His grace, more of His mercy and power, and more of His anointing upon our lives. And I believe that those who have adequately prepared themselves and are ready for such adventures in the Spirit or ready for the work that the Lord had prepared for them will be commissioned and anointed to do so. But one of the things that the Spirit of God said to me last week is that those who are not engaged in the process of spiritual preparation, all we're doing is just playing church. Now, let me say this. We're going to look at a number of Bible verses today. So today I'm doing a teaching. It's not a preaching. It's a teaching that we delve into the Word of God. So unless you're fast enough to turn to those uh, chapters and verses, I advise you to get a piece of paper, a notebook, and a pen, and jot down those scriptures. Or if you desire for me to send you my notes, I will gladly do so. Our foundational scripture for today's lesson is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we will read verse 20 and 21 from the New King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Now the word that we've just read clearly tells us that in the great house, which refers to the household of God, there is a mixture of vessels. Vessels that are destined for honor and vessels for dishonor. But it says that we have a choice as to what kind of vessels we choose to be. You don't have to be a vessel for dishonor. You can be a vessel for honor, prepared and ready at any given time to do the work that God assigned you to do. Now, in becoming a vessel for honor requires, as I have mentioned several times, preparation. And that preparation has to do with cleansing ourselves as the scripture says, from the wood and the clay in order to be sanctified and set apart for the master's use. Now, 
being ready and prepared requires work. The work that I am referring to is the work of sanctification. And that's the title of my message today. A call to sanctification. Now, the wood and the clay that the Bible speaks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, they refer to those things which are dishonorable, which includes attitudes. Some of our attitudes need to change because they dishonor the Lord. It also includes our speech, words and language that should not proceed out of our mouths. And also, it includes behavior that dishonors the Lord. Sanctification, according to the Word of God, takes place in our life when we yield to the Holy Spirit within us to work that which is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Please notice the words here. Verse 12 says, work out your own salvation. And then in verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you. You see here, both of us, that is God and ourselves, are at work in order to bring about a state of sanctification. The work of sanctification is a partnership between us and the Lord. It is not all God. In other words, you can't just sit around and say, well, God will sanctify me and God will do all the work. No, it's a partnership between us and the Spirit of God within us. It is not all God and it is not all us. So the work we are called to do is one of constantly yielding and obeying the Spirit within as He reveals to us truth and light, as He prompt us or prompt us in the way that we should be going or what we should be speaking, what we should be saying, what we should be believing. Now, Peter calls this process the purification of our souls, which is very important. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love for the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Notice what Peter says. We are purified and set apart for God's use through obedience to the truth by the help of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus praying to the Father just before he went to the cross, he said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Obedience to the truth sets us apart for God. Obedience to the truth cleanses us from all dishonorable things, from the wood and the clay. Obedience, therefore, to the truth becomes the key to our sanctification. Constantly yielding to the Spirit within and obeying the promptings of the Spirit as well as the truths which the Holy Spirit shows us from the Word of God. And that is called walking in the light. The Apostle John said in 1 John 1.7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, as we walk in the light, the blood does his work. It cleanses, it purifies. We are only useful to the Lord as we cleanse ourselves from those things which, according to the Word of God, bring defilement both to our spirits as well as our flesh. Please hear me. The anointing of the Spirit rests heavily on sanctified people, people who have purified their souls through obedience to the truth and prepared themselves for God's work and God's purposes. The Bible speaks of a twofold anointing. One is within, and that anointing is received by grace when we get born again. The Apostle John talks about it in 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an unction or an anointing from above. When you got born again, the Spirit of God came in you and anointed you. So that anointing remains within. But there is another anointing that rests upon the believer for power, for works. When the Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said, power, dynamis, will come upon you. You will be endured with power. So the anointing of the Spirit upon heavily rests on sanctified people, people who have purified their souls, prepared themselves for God's work and God's purposes. We will see this throughout the New Testament. Paul writing to the Corinthians says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Therefore come out from among them, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, he goes on to say, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness 
in the fear of the Lord. Notice what it says, let us cleanse ourselves. The same words that Paul used in writing to Timothy when he said, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from the wood and the clay, he shall be a vessel for honor, prepared and ready for the master's use. So we see here, this is a clear command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command from the Lord to the church. Come out from among them and be separate. Do not touch or associate with what is unclean, and I will receive you. Who is them that we are to come out of? He is referring to the world, to its values, to its principles, to the world's ways, pursuits, and mannerisms. We are to come out of that and pursue the Lord. Righteousness, holiness, faith, patience, love. Those are the things that we are to pursue, not as the world pursues. So the same thing, Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says the same thing, but in different words. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't mold yourselves or behave like the world behaves. But he says, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. There we see it again. John in his first epistle says the following. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Here we see again, over and over, both Peter, Paul, the Apostle John are saying the same thing, but using different words. But the message is the same. Jesus said in John 15, verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. My brothers and my sisters in the Lord, family of God, listen to me. We are not of this world. Therefore, we should not live or behave like the world behaves. We are of God. We are children of light. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. So the strength of God's promises ought to inspire us, motivate us to cleanse ourselves from all that pollutes and defiles our intimacy with our Heavenly Father. The very promise that God gave us, I will be a father to you and you will be my son and daughter, should compel us to live holy and sanctified lives. Peter says on this subject the following, As obedient children, 
not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. There it is, that word again. Obedience. As obedient children, he says, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in our ignorance. So where does that leave us? I believe that the word of the Lord should not only convict us, but inspire us to engage the Lord in a serious time of prayer and ask him to show us areas of our life in which are dishonoring to the Lord, in which we need to cleanse ourselves from. Attitudes of anger, greed, jealousy, all of those things don't belong to the children of God. We need to put off the old man, the Bible says, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the one who created him. Things that we need to lay down and walk away from. Things which bring defilement, weakness to our spirit, and make us unable to resist temptation. Attitudes we need to change. Mindsets which bring defilement to our way of thinking. Speech that should never come out of our mouth. You know, I've had Christians say things like the hell of this, the hell of that, and damn this and damn that. That's not language that should come out of a believer who is sanctified unto the Lord. Those words should never come out of our mouth. Throughout the New Testament, we are exhorted to live holy lives, separated unto God for His purposes. And he's alone. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What's the will of God for me? My sanctification. To be sanctified means to be set apart for God and God alone. You're God's property. In his epistle to Titus, Paul writes, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And then he says in chapter 2, verse, 11, verse 15, speak these things. He tells this to Timothy. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. We preachers and teachers of the word have much to account for. In fact, the Bible says we will be judged more harshly uh, than anyone else, because we are responsible to communicate the truth, the whole truth, the whole gospel, 
not just some of it, not just part of it, but all of it. Preachers and teachers of the Word of God ought to be speaking, exhorting, and rebuking with all authority on such matters regarding the church's sanctification and the departing from all ungodliness and worldly lusts according to the Scriptures. The Spirit explicitly said to me last week that if we are not working towards cleansing ourselves from all that defiles our intimacy with the Lord, we are just playing church. Playing church. The devil is not threatened by unsanctified people. I want you to know that. But he's terrified by those who have sanctified themselves and are ready for every good work. God's empowerment on the believer comes with a price. And the price required is obedience, faith, self-denial, and of course, sacrifice. If we desire to be truly anointed by God and be ready and prepared for the Master's use, we must be willing to walk the path of obedience, the path of self-denial and sacrifice. Jesus said in Luke 14.35, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Our saltiness is only maintained through self-denial and sacrifice of all that is dear to us, taking up the cross and following Jesus from day to day. The cross then becomes the cornerstone of our sanctification and, of course, separation unto God. Because the power of the death of Christ will purge us from all worldliness, all manner of ungodly living. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6, 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, Paul allowed the power of the cross to do its full work. He was dead to the world through the power of the cross, and the world was dead to him. It had no attraction on him whatsoever. He was separated unto God, he was sanctified and set apart, and he lived for Christ and Christ alone. In fact, he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He looked toward his death as a gain, but his life was completely dedicated to the will of God. And before I conclude my message today, here are some questions that we need to answer truthfully before we go any deeper in our relationship with Christ. Here is the first question. Are we willing to part with what is dearest to us 
if God calls us to? Are you willing to do that? If God calls you to, to part with what is dearest to you. Are we willing to leave behind, if we are called to for the gospel, mother, father, children, brothers, sisters, possessions, lands, for the gospel, if God calls us to? Or are we going to say, Lord, I can't. You know, uh, you know the invitation that was given to, uh, to those and the king had a banquet and he sent out invitations. He says, come, everything is ready. And, and one after the other started making excuses. Are we willing to lay down our very life for Christ and his gospel? That's what it boils down to. Have we embraced the cross fully, allowing it to do its work of purification and separation from all sin? And are we willing to let go of those things which might not be sinful, but not beneficial to our faith? Like things which might be permissible, yet do not edify. Paul said, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. Even though all things are lawful for me, not all things edify. Just because we are permitted to do certain things, it doesn't mean that it is helpful or beneficial to our faith or our intimacy with the Lord. Now, these are some hard questions that we need to ask ourselves in our private time with the Lord and to pour out our hearts to Him. We can always say, Lord, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. I will do whatever you say. By your grace, I will go wherever you send me. I will do whatever you command me. Here I am. I am yours to command. And listen to the Spirit. Walk in the light that you received. And as you do that, God will release a greater measure of light and revelation and understanding, and it will lead you to an experience and an encounter with God that will thrill your soul and will see others saved, healed, restored, delivered. You will be a pillar in the church of God. You will be known as a man of encouragement who encourages and consoles people. Your gifts will come to the surface and you will be able to live a life that is destined for you to live through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the fresh call, the call that you are giving to your church in this hour and in this moment a call to separate, a call to sanctification, a call to cleanse ourselves from all that defiles and pollutes our spirits, our relationship with you, to depart from those things which are dishonorable to you, our lack of love, our attitudes that bring not glory but shame. We ask you to make those things clear to us, for in your light alone we will see light. 
And as David prayed, Lord, so we pray today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, O Lord, and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me, O Lord, in the way everlasting. We thank you, Father, and we give you praise for your precious word today. And we decree and declare that the word which you have delivered today by your Spirit will not return void to you, but will accomplish that which you please, dear Father. And it will do exactly what you send it to do. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.